0: Good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 440 to begin our service together. A shelter in the time of storm. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4 together tonight. Page number 440. Sing it out on that first verse. The Lord's our rock, in Him
1: we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land A weary land, a weary land Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land A shelter in the time of storm The raging storms may round us beat A shelter in the time of storm we'll never leave our safe retreat a shelter in the time of storm oh jesus is a rock in a weary land a weary land a weary land oh jesus is a rock in a weary land a shelter in the time of storm oh rock divine oh refuge dear A shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, A shelter in the time
0: of storm. Aren't you thankful for that shelter in the storm tonight? Amen. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight, our oasis in the desert on Wednesday night. Thankful all of you are able to be here with us. But ask Brother Quinlan if you would please open us in a word of prayer tonight. Seated together tonight, if you would, and just a few uh, announcements to uh, remind you of, make you aware of, and I know how announcements go, so don't tune us out. Okay, we got a lot coming up, and uh, it's amazing. I, you know, uh, of course, teaching in the school makes some announcements, and then we walk out of the room, and one of the children will say, "Now, what about this?" I just said that two minutes ago. All right. Do you listen to announcements? No. Okay. And uh, I know us adults are sometimes not much better, right? So uh, go ahead and pay attention and listen. Of course, it's uh, already been mentioned, uh, keep the pastor in your prayers as they'll be traveling back uh, tomorrow. And uh, so keep them in your prayers. And um, I know that uh, he's already been in contact uh, with me at least and, and said everything's going great while they're there and uh, just having a good conference and been able to uh, bless and help some uh, Home mission works and the things like that already. So just a wonderful time they're having there and in services now as we speak. And so uh, keep him in your prayers there. And then um, wanted to go ahead and let you know that uh, the water is back on over in the fellowship hall. Okay. Um, so, praise the Lord for that. We have hot and cold water, and uh, I, I do know that we've got some events coming up uh, this weekend and, of course, uh, on Sunday, and so that's good to have that, but still cannot use the whole kitchen, so be aware of that, okay? So, bring uh, if you're bringing food for these different uh, things that are coming up, make sure that uh, you bring it hot and ready to go and things like that, um, but at least there's some water over there, so we're grateful for that. Don't forget, uh, this Saturday at 11 a.m. will be the memorial service for uh, Mrs. Doris Clark. Uh, so uh, make sure you're here for that if you can be and it'll be right here in the auditorium and and then there'll be a dinner for the family to follow so that's one of those events that if you're uh, signed up to bring some food for that if you can help with that uh, make sure that uh, you get a hold of miss natalie and let her know if you can help uh, with any of the food or serving or things like that and i know she would appreciate that and then um, don't forget sunday night we've got our sending out service for brother jack and miss lizzie parker And that'll be another event taking place over in the fellowship hall that we're trying to make the best use of right now. And uh, so be aware of that. We're looking forward to that. It'll be a a really good time. have a special service in the evening and then have a fellowship over there. And, of course, our missionaries to Japan, we're looking forward to uh, being able to send them out on deputation. They've already started on deputation, actually, and just doing a great job. So uh, make sure that you're here. Uh, participating in that. And then don't forget, uh, we can be a blessing and a help to them with some gift cards, maybe to Walmart and some things like that, places that they'll, they'll use as they're out on deputation. So um, please bring things like that to be a blessing and a help to them. Don't forget also that in the back on the way out on the left, if you're planning on going to the couple's retreat, that's February 3rd and 4th at the Doubletree Hotel all right, I, I had to really laugh at that when Pastor made that mistake because that's something I would do, all right? And I, I just really got a kick out of that. But at the Double Tree Hotel, and uh, so uh, make sure that if you want to go to that, that'll be a real blessing to you. Sign up out there on the left. Um, it's $190 for a couple. You need to be signed up by this Sunday night, all right? If you plan on going to that. Money's not due this Sunday night, but you need to be signed up by this Sunday night so we can make arrangements for that. And that, again, is on February 3rd and 4th, all right? And then don't forget, uh, next Monday, there is no school for Faith Baptist School. Uh, so make sure, uh, if you're a parent, that you understand that. Don't drop your kids off because no one will be here to watch them. I mean, maybe you don't care, but we won't be here, so I won't know the difference, all right? So um, uh, be aware of that. But next Tuesday, we do have school, and Tuesday night, we have ball games here at our church uh, over in the gym there uh, with Heritage Baptist from 6 to 8 p.m. So come on out and cheer on the teams, all right? I know they would greatly appreciate that, and I'm sure it'll be fun time for you, and you'll get a blessing out of it as well. So a lot of things to be aware of that are coming up, all right? And if you have any questions, you can certainly uh, ask any of us that uh, know what's going on. We'll be glad to answer anything we can. If you would get your prayer list out tonight, and uh, just have a lot of things that are on the prayer list we need to go over uh, this evening. Good to see the Carr family here tonight, and uh, be in much prayer for them with the loss of his sister there, and, and I know that they would greatly appreciate uh, that, and uh, also received a, a phone call from Brother C.J. Reeves tonight, or a text message actually, and he asked prayer for Landon, uh, little Landon. If you can keep him in your prayers, he's had a lot of, just a lot of constant coughing, and things uh, they had him tested for you know CoVID and different things like that everything 's come back negative, but they did give him some medication uh, to try and uh, relieve the coughing and stuff they 're getting pretty concerned about him, but he did tell me a little bit ago that the medication seems to be helping some, and so that uh, 's a blessing there. But he did ask if we would uh, keep a little Landon in our prayers, and certainly we will do that. Uh, some that are on our, our prayer list that have been on there for quite some time. think of uh, miss Carolyn Moore, uh, certainly keep her in your prayers there as she 's over in the The nursing home and battling Parkinson's. And Miss Marie Christian with her arthritis and then her eyesight as well. Keep her in your prayers. Miss Virginia Potts there on the left column as well. uh, Still recovering from uh, the fall that she took and the the broken ankle there. So uh, keep her in your prayers. Think of uh, Brother Will Kennedy also in the left-hand column. And uh, has a liver uh, problem there that's going on. And has an uh, appointment a week from this Friday. All right, so uh, he's excited about that to uh, get some stuff going on that. So um, make sure that uh, you're keeping him in your prayers. I know he would appreciate that, as well as brother uh, brother Owen Wood. I know he's really struggled. What a faithful man, and uh, just he's 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 such an encouragement to me. Um, just a little personal testimony. I can remember him when I was a little kid, and uh, just always here, always faithful, and still faithful. And uh, so just keep him in your prayers as he battles some health issues. Um, I know Miss Laura Quinlan would really appreciate your prayers as well. She's really been struggling, and uh, I, I know she doesn't make a big deal out of it usually, but uh, if you've noticed, she's not on the pianos on Sunday and hasn't been teaching in the school, uh, just really going through some health battles. And so I know she would greatly appreciate uh, your prayers as well. So keep her in your prayer. Um, Mrs. Sexton uh, did give me a couple things here we can take off. They're on the right column, a little over halfway down, Chris Sexton uh, we can go ahead and take him off there. They thank us for praying uh, for him. And so uh, if you want to go ahead and uh, take, take him off of there, that would be fine. As well as down in the unspoken column, she's there at the, at the last there with her unspoken. Uh, she said that she's received uh, answered prayer to that. And so we can take that off as well. So just a lot going on. A lot of things to pray for what else um can we add to the prayer list or take off tonight anything at all mrs bellis yes oh my okay so uh, miss wanda jackson there the second up from the first on that first left-hand column there Uh, if you want to add her on there uh, for covid my goodness We'll sure be praying for her. Yes, sir. Okay. Sure. Yeah, so um, Bryce Herman and the Herman family, uh, keep them in your prayers as Bryce will be returning home. I uh, just had some, uh, some issues going on there, and we'll leave it at that. But uh, if you can go ahead and pray for them, I know it's kind of a stressful thing for that family. And uh, I know that if you don't know the family, um, both of the girls go to school here. So uh, just real sweet girls. Are, in fact, they're here tonight, am I right? Rode the bus tonight, so they're here uh, down in the kids' classes tonight. So keep that family in your prayer, the Herman family. That would be great. Anyone else tonight? Yes, Brother Will. Great, amen, 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 all right, so Miss um, Kathy Douglas, uh, Charles Douglas's wife, uh, six months sober, six months clean, so that's a real blessing, amen to that. Anyone else tonight? Okay, we can go ahead and have our men come at this time, we'll uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Thankful that we serve a God that we can pray to, amen, and he hears our prayers and answers our prayers, and um, pray to the one whose hand moves the world. Can't think of it a greater thing than that, amen, what a comfort that is. Master Brother Steve Parker if you would pray for us tonight. Amen. you stand with me once again please let's turn to page 422 page number 422 a hill called mount calvary we'll sing all three verses together tonight for our last song page 422 sing it out together on that first verse there are things as we travel this earth
1: shifting sand that transcend all the reason of man. But the things that matter the most in this world, they can never be held in our hand. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary, I'll believe whatever the cost. And when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I'll still cling to that old rugged cross. I believe that the Christ who was slain on that cross has the power to change lives today for he changed me completely a new life is mine that is why by the cross i will stay i believe in a hill called mount calvary I'll believe whatever the cost. And when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I'll still cling to that old rugged cross. I believe that this life with its great mysteries Surely some day we'll come to an end. But faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last to my friend. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary I'll believe whatever the cost. And when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I'll still cling to that old
0: rugged cross. Somebody say amen tonight. What a great song. Please remain standing. Get your Bibles ready for the message tonight.
2: This evening, <clears throat> we're we'll be uh, basically finishing out the chapter here, and uh, so that puts us down three chapters, and we have two more chapters to go. And uh, we're only about eighteen months—no, nineteen months—into this series. <laughs> First Peter chapter three. Uh, we're actually going to start in verse. Thirteen, Now, we dealt with this passage last time, but kind of get into the, kind of remind us of the context here. So we'll start in verse 13. It says, And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, and of course all that has to do with, yes, you will suffer for righteousness' sake, uh, because you're a follower of Christ. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, then suffering comes along with it. And yet, he says, Happy are ye. In other words, we could say you're blessed. Yeah. Even in the midst of life's sufferings and even in the midst of great persecution, we can say, happy are ye. Yeah. I think my thing's all on here. Is it on now? Is that better? All right, good. It's the first time I've ever made that mistake. Probably not the last. <laughs> so then he goes on there, uh, verse 14, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. "...but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers..." So what they're saying is they're speaking evil as if you are the evildoer, even though you are not. "...they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ." For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And here we get to our text for this evening, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. You may not realize it, but there is a lot in that verse. Verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. You might start thinking, what? We'll get to that. Verse 20, but which sometime were disobedient when once the longsuffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. That might also throw some red flags in your mind as we read this, but hold on, we'll get to it. Notice the parentheses there, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, which kind of reminds us back there of verse 16, where he says, having a good conscience. And he says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. There's a lot in these five verses um, you know, this is one of those passages that a lot of, every preacher really tends to, I, not really dread, but it's not a passage that's dealt with easily. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned when we first started going through this series that First and 2 Peter are kind of considered a firestorm of, of New Testament controversy as far as You know, all sorts of people debate on what he means by this and what he means by that and all sorts of uh, things. And this is one of those passages. And anyone who's ever done any serious Bible study has come across a passage where it's confusing, it's hard, and it seems like everybody you read just kind of skips over that passage too. Uh, when you're preaching expositorily, as Pastor mentioned just this past Sunday, you don't get the option of skipping passages. In fact, this passage is probably the biggest reason. I didn't really want to preach through 1 Peter. I, you know, I, it's one of those things where we don't want to just, oh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, pick a book, and then we just kind of go through that. No, we spend some time in prayer and seeking what the Lord would have us to do. And, and as the Lord was bringing me to 1 Peter, I said, no, Lord, I don't want to preach 1 Peter. Uh, that's something that I'll, I would love to let pastor preach through one of these days. And the Lord kept bringing me right back to it, and I thought, I know. I'll go talk to pastor, and he'll say, you know, I probably should preach through that book. And so I, I went to pastor and said, you know, I, I feel like maybe First Peter, I don't know. He goes, okay, great, go through it, get started. Thought, well, there goes that plan. And so, I mean, this passage really for the past, getting close to two years now, has really been on my mind a lot. I've chewed on it a lot, and uh, there's just a lot of controversy and, and a lot of, well, this idea and that idea, and everybody has their reasons and their arguments. But I'm so thankful that the Lord doesn't leave us to just muddle through these things on our own. I mean, yes, there are good commentaries we can read and there are good study helps that we can go to. Uh, but more than that, we quite literally have the Holy Spirit of God to help us as we study and as we read His Word. And, you know, just over the past few months, it, it's been amazing to me this more than probably most passages I've ever had to deal with that, that the Lord has just just answered my, my questions and the things that I've wrestled with uh, regarding it. I mean, I've kind of known for years where, where we as a church stand and, and what I was taught growing up, and, and I wanted to make sure that, that I was going to preach it correctly, and I didn't want to just preach it because that's what I was taught, or because, well, this is how my dad or my grandpa preached it, or this is how Brother Watson preached it, or this is how even uh, Brother Stewart preaches it, but I need to and should preach it because it is truth. And so dealing with this passage, it's been amazing to me how, see, that the Lord has just put the pieces together as I've needed them. I've just happened across articles where, uh, where somebody has some really good arguments and, and dealing with tying it into other passages and things like that, that just out of the blue kind of came up that I saw or, or read or things like that. Uh, I'm thankful that our pastor is, is led of the Lord as he preaches I mean, some of the passages even he's dealt with recently, we just recently went through Ephesians 4, which uh, ties in with this passage as well. We may reference it a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. And so some of those questions even that I had or, or things that I thought, well, maybe I should check with Pastor about that. And, and, and as he has preached, even through Revelation and, and other times about just the past several months, Uh, So many of the things I thought, well, maybe I should talk to pastor about this. I mean, he's answered them while he's preaching and it's okay, great. We're on the same page here. And I'm so, so thankful for the leadership of the Lord, how he does that. And more than all that, those times where we just need to get on our faces before God and let him reveal his word to us. Just to spend some time dealing with it. You know, we as staff, and, and really anyone who's most likely going to be preaching from this pulpit, we don't run our messages by the preacher beforehand. That's not what he wants. We're not up here just to regurgitate whatever he tells us to. He's, he's not writing our sermons for us. No, he expects us to take some time and study it, uh, to let God to speak in us and through us and, and uh, deal with the passage and chew on it. And I think a lot of that has taken place lately, and as I've done reading, as I've, I've dealt with, you know, all the various viewpoints and all that with this passage, I've come to one primary conclusion. Most of the controversy surrounding this passage has primarily to do with focusing on minor issues at the expense of the main point. So if you're already familiar with this passage, you may find that we won't deal with it quite like you'd expect this evening. But I think we're, we're going to focus on really what Peter's main point is. So we already read verses 13 through 17 as well. Uh, we're going to go ahead and pray and then you can be seated. Lord, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd work and that your spirit would have liberty tonight. I ask us all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I realize that was a little bit of a lengthy uh, introduction there. <clears throat> so we dealt with verses 13 through 17 last time. We read those already. Uh, we've seen how that there is very much a theology of suffering in the New Testament. Now it's not this, uh, uh, you know, there's groups throughout uh, history who've kind of been this religious aesthetic movement where they... Uh, you know, restrict themselves and they won't uh, enjoy anything and they just kind of live this uh, monastic type lifestyle even among Christian groups that, that has been the case from time to time and they kind of have this put suffering up on a pedestal and ultimately a lot of those really the logical conclusion is just to the point where they worship the suffering rather than the one who suffered for them uh, and I don't think Christ expects us in fact, we can see throughout uh, the Word of God that, that so many things in our lives, God gave us good things to enjoy. Uh, there's, there's no problem, no wrong, uh, nothing wrong about having some creature comforts and things like that. And somebody is able to buy a, a new car and has all the options on it. There's nothing wrong with that. And someone might say, well, no, 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 no. You need to have the worst, junkiest car you could possibly own. Then you know you're really spiritual. No, that's not how this works. But there is still a a theology of suffering in the New Testament. Christ tells His followers to take up their crosses in order to follow Him. This isn't just suffering with health issues or life circumstances. You may even suffer for doing right. We talked about last time how that even in the midst of that suffering and that persecution... God expects those who follow Him to be witnesses of His grace and His love to all mankind. But the passage doesn't stop there. It may have seemed a a little odd to stop there at verse 17, kind of transitioning into the last part of the the chapter there, getting into verse 18, because that really is, those couple verses there are really a, a transition between the two, but it's still within that same context. Now remember, the overall context of the entire letter is dealing with faithfulness in the midst of persecution and suffering. And just like we as followers of Christ will suffer for doing right, in verse 18 it says Christ suffered for doing right. More than that, Christ suffered even unto death, and yet He deserved none of it. We can never escape the fact of our sin. All the suffering and torment we could go through would never outdo our great sin. Yet Christ took that suffering on Himself to provide the means of escape. Do you know what the primary purpose of Christ's sacrifice was? Reconciliation. Uh, to reconcile a sinful creature with a holy and perfect Creator. And this right here should determine how we look at these next uh, these five verses. Yet when you look at commentaries and articles, publications, internet, all that kind of stuff, dealing with this passage, the vast majority breathes right on through verse 18 to get to the good stuff. We want to deal with the the controversial part with the, the seemingly kind of odd, weird things there in verses 19 and 20, and, and they just kind of go right through verse 18, like, oh yeah, these are good things, and let's get to verse 19. But frankly, in my opinion, verse 18 is the crux of the matter. It determines the rest of this passage. It says there in the beginning of verse 18, "...for Christ also hath once suffered for sins..." the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. It wasn't just that Christ suffered for doing right. It wasn't just that Christ suffered as a martyr. It was that Christ suffered the penalty for the sins of all mankind for all time, all the way to death, so that He could reconcile God's most precious creation to Himself. But that death wasn't the end. No, the work of the Spirit brought life. So while Christ's body was killed, His Spirit brought new life. Notice he says they're being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We're going to deal, uh, kind of bring this all, all back to verse 18 here towards the end. <clears throat> Pardon me. But I want you to remember this. As we go through this, the, the passage this evening, as we're dealing with all this, the, the overarching theme, the context here is Christ suffered for our sins in order to bring reconciliation between us and our Creator. <clears throat> now look at verse 19. By which it says, He also, went, also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Here's where everybody wants to focus. Now, we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time here in verses 19 and 20. I, I, I'm going to try not to. Uh, but there are several common views on this passage. I mean, there are as many opinions on the passage as there are uh, commentators and scholars out there. We're going to deal with a couple of the more uh, common ones Uh, But generally, each of the views out there try to answer three questions. And those questions are, whom did Christ preach to? Says He went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Well, who are those spirits in prison? What did He preach, as in what was His message? And when did He preach? At what point in time or eternity or whatever the case may be was He doing this preaching? So they would say, "Well, did he preach to men, or are these spirits angelic beings? Uh, Was he preaching the gospel to them, or some some other message, maybe a proclamation regarding his death and his resurrection, Uh, or was the preaching done, you know, after his death but before his resurrection, or maybe this is a recollection? I mean, it it mentions Noah, so is this something from the past where we're we're talking about Christ preaching to uh, the disobedient, uh, those who were disobedient in Noah's day, and those those are." kind of all the questions that, that get asked regarding this passage. Now the first one I'm going to deal with, you'll, you'll hear it maybe from time to time. It's not all that popular, but I feel like it's important enough to mention. Uh, there are some Christian sects out there who, who hold to this uh, that would say that Christ literally uh, after His death And after, and and, you know, when he gave his life on the cross, when from the point he died, that he literally went into the fires of hell, and and he continued suffering for three days and nights, and during this time he was witnessing to those already there, although they had um, at that point they couldn't accept the gospel, but he was you know telling them about the gospel to to show them what they had rejected and all that. There are those who who believe this. And I'm going to say right up front, because we're not going to deal anymore with this, that we outright reject that. Christ did not suffer in hell for three days and three nights. His suffering took place on the cross, and when He said, it is finished, the suffering, the payment for sin was finished. Okay, It was taken care of then. But there are other there are other views here having to do with, with when it took place and all that. So the first question would be, when did Christ preach? Well, look at verse 19 again. It says, by which, now that by which takes us right back to the previous verse, which says, says that He was quickened by the Spirit. So by the same Spirit, by which also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison. I think the, the multiple uses of Spirit and spirits here, I, I think, is... Pretty obvious that this is something that's happening in the spirit realm, if you will. I, I don't want you to get weirded out. A lot of times, especially in uh, Western thinking, we kind of ignore the supernatural, and we we act like, well, you know, there's this earthly realm, and then there's heaven, and the, well, that's about it. But there's there is this spiritual realm, and spiritual battles taking place between uh, God and His angels, and Satan and His demons, and 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 while we don't want to give too much emphasis upon that we can't forget that spiritual battles happen and, and that there is this spiritual realm and we're not really aware of it uh, in, in our in, on the earth here but it's still taking place so in that spiritual realm is where christ is and now now look here and towards the end of verse 19 he says uh, by which he also he went and preached unto the spirits and prisons so we could say that okay having to do with the spirit realm and and through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ went, so He's taking a journey and He's preaching unto these spirits in prison. So I submit we're not going to, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time getting into all the little details here, uh, more of an overview, but I submit that this was a journey uh, partaken between the moment of His death and His resurrection three days later. So you might say, okay... He's taking this journey. Whom did Christ preach to? Well, again, I mentioned already there's debate on whether he's actually talking about uh, a a prison in the spirit realm. Some say the word, well, it could refer to a refuge, not just a prison, although it almost exclusively always refers to a place that is under guard, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, But the more I saw these kind of two seemingly conflicting main ideas... Uh, having to do with either a a place that's a prison or a place of refuge, uh, the more it really seemed to me, confirmed to me, that really this word is referring to one place. Our pastor has dealt with this before, one place with a twofold meaning. Uh, But from this passage and others, and of course we've talked about uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and Luke, I'm blanking on the chapter at the moment, but the the, uh, uh, story of the rich man and Lazarus and, and other passages... Uh, how that Christ took this journey to the paradise side of hell. We've got to remember that hell oftentimes is used in the Scriptures is not specifically just referring to that place of fire and torment, but rather the Old Testament saints, because Christ's uh, atoning work had not taken place yet, uh, the Old Testament saints were in Abraham's bosom or there in paradise, and so Christ then during this time took a journey to to that place, and he led captivity captive. Uh, He, he, if you will, preached while he did not need to preach the gospel to them because they had already trusted in God, which we've seen throughout Scripture is really the basis of uh, uh, salvation, is taking God at His word, trusting in Him, and so he went there, but at the same time, from that place of refuge, again, we see from the story of rich man and Lazarus how the, there was communication between these two parts. And so then Christ did his preaching there. I, I believe probably it was more along the lines of a proclamation of victory, a proclamation of dominion. We'll see that here later on in the next couple verses. <clears throat> Pardon me, I need to take a drink of water. So he does all that, and you might say, but, there in verse 20, it says, it talks about uh, those who were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. And some would say, well, you know, this would have to do with, it's talking about how that Christ was preaching through Noah to those who were disobedient in his day. And of course, the Bible tells us that Noah, not only was he building the ark, he was preaching and witnessing while he was doing it. And certainly I think we can say that it was Christ witnessing through Noah. Uh, that is so much of a, of we can see these, uh, what we call often call theophanies, or more specifically Christophanies in the Old Testament, how that Christ was working and even revealed Himself to people from time to time in the Old Testament. And by that same token, we can say that Christ was preaching through the prophets. Of course, we saw that in, in chapter 1 here in 1 Peter, how the, the prophets didn't even realize what they were uh, prophesying what they were writing wasn't just to the people that they were prophesying to at that time but it was also for us those who would follow Christ later on so we could say that well yes it, it is true that Christ was pr- witnessing and preaching through Noah but that this passage isn't specifically talking about him preaching through Noah at that time it's simply a, a Connection here, a a, uh, an example, and I think we'll see more of it, especially as we get into chapter or verse twenty-one of those who were disobedient in Noah's day will be or were preached to when Christ went to paradise. Now, in fact, we can think of some comparisons. One guy has some comparisons I I felt like would probably be worth uh, uh, mentioning here tonight. We think about Noah, comparing the time of Noah with our time today, because you might wonder, well, why would he have even brought up Noah specifically dealing with these spirits in prison and all that? Why would he have brought up Noah? But I think in Peter's mind, he sees a lot of comparison between the time of Noah and the time of the New Testament church. Noah was a minority surrounded by hostile unbelievers. He was righteous in the midst of a wicked world. He witnessed boldly to those around him. He realized that judgment was soon to come upon the world. You see these comparisons? They're true today. In the unseen spiritual realm, Christ preached through Noah to the unbelievers around him like he does today. At the time of Noah, God was patiently awaiting repentance from unbelievers before he brought judgment. They had over a hundred years to repent And Noah was saved, says there in the end of verse 21, or I'm sorry, verse 20, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. That would be Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives. So I think we can say say from this that the first two questions have been answered. That Christ took this journey to preach to the... Uh, uh, the, both the Old Testament saints and those who had rejected Christ and who were uh, in hell at that time, suffering the torment like the rich man was. He proclaimed victory, I think we'll see here in a minute, over uh, death and hell and the grave. And he uh, led the Old Testament saints out of there. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then the last question is, I already mentioned this a little bit, but his, what specifically was his message? Okay, so we know that your only chance to trust in Christ is on this earth. Once you die, it's too late. It's it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. It's always been this way. So I don't believe he went to preach the gospel, either to the Old Testament saints or to the unrighteous. Rather, his message was one of victory. Uh, Christ, through his death, was able to proclaim victory and dominion Over death, hell, and the grave. Now look down at verse 22 real quick. Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Look at this. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. That's why I believe His message was one of victory and dominion. When it's all said and done, He is the conqueror. He is victorious. But you know what all of that really serves to illustrate Remember, this is simply an example Peter is using to get across the main point, which we find there uh, primarily in verse 18, and then uh, also there in verse 21 and 22. Christ's suffering was sufficient. It was sufficient to redeem fallen man. It was sufficient to reconcile the creature to the Creator. Now look at verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's read it again without the parentheses. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Christ suffered even unto death. And God the Father accepted that sacrifice. That is salvation. Uh, I know our pastor has preached this before, and we're not going to get into all of that, but I believe Christ took His own blood and poured it out in the temple as the final atonement for sin. Uh, The temple being the temple in heaven, because the temple on earth was made like to the temple that is already in heaven. He took His own blood into the Holy of Holies and made the final atonement. And Peter says, The like figure whereunto... What, what like figure? Okay, look back in verse 20. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto... So the like figure would have to be, would have to do with being saved by water. Now that doesn't mean... This is where you get into the various tenses of the Greek uh, 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 prepositions and, and uh, you know, there's a whole, all sorts of stuff about that. But when it talks about saved by water, he's not say, saying that water is what saved them. They were saved through water. Uh, they were saved in the ark, though they were surrounded by the water, which really was the water of judgment upon sinful man. And some would look at this and argue, well, no, this is how it clearly says, you know, baptism doth also now save us. But the point he's saying is not not that the act of going in the water is what's saving you. What he's saying is that you have trusted in something else and you're able to pass through the waters of judgment just like Noah trusted in, in, well, ultimately in God and in preparing the ark and they were saved in the ark as they passed through those waters of judgment. So those two who have a good conscience toward God by trusting in Him pass through those same waters of judgment. That's why we say that baptism, immersion... Uh, pictures our death with Christ. So, you obtain a good conscience before God. That's what it says, the answer of a good conscience toward God by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That outward act symbolizes the inward transformation that has taken place through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And Christ gained that dominion by conquering death and hell through His suffering. I don't want to minimize people's suffering on the earth, but based on the authority of the Word of God, I realize people go through some terrible things. And people even in here have dealt with things that you don't want anyone to ever have to deal with, and yet... We can look at Christ's example and say nothing we have gone through really compares to that. Because He took the weight of the sin of the entire world on His shoulders. We can look at our own lives and think of how unworthy we are. Uh, of the, the best person to have ever lived is still a sinner and unworthy of salvation. All the suffering that we could go through, really, you might say, well you know, they they were good people and they really didn't deserve to suffer that way. But ultimately, when we look at our sin in the light of the Scripture, uh, we deserve so much more. Christ deserved none of it, and yet He took it all on Himself. And here's the best part. All the suffering that He went through was worth it to Him. And all the suffering we could ever go through on this earth will be worth it in the end. Although Christ's humanity we see in the garden sought for a way out of the suffering, He gave Himself over to the will of the Father and He bore our punishment. In so doing, He conquered His foes and gained complete and total dominion and authority over everything. The last vestiges of demonic strength are now completely subject to to His authority. You can endure suffering and persecution on this earth because He has already endured it and come through victorious. And through His authority, you will also come out victorious. It probably won't happen on this, on this earth. Uh, it probably won't happen in the world today. But in the world to come, your present trials will be vindicated. We talked about that in chapter 1. And I'm probably going to say this a lot over the rest of this letter. I, I really feel like this is almost kind of the, the uh, probably my favorite verse of the entire letter, but, but kind of very succinctly sums up the point of, of everything Paul, uh, Peter is writing here. Back in verse 14, But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. In other words, you're blessed. I think we could probably title the entire series this way. We're blessed. We've dealt with suffering. Uh, there are people in here who've dealt with suffering that we wouldn't wish on anyone and yet can still say we're blessed uh, because we have the grace of Jesus Christ to help us. And it's not just like bearing under, well, we're kind of you know, plodding along, we're just making, the, making it through this life. No, that we can be joyful we can still witness to others. In fact, God expects us to witness to others. Even in the midst of the worst persecution, God says you can have the boldness to witness because He's already conquered it. So when suffering is great, when persecution is overwhelming, we can remember that Christ first suffered for us. For Christ also hath once suffered for, our, for sins, the just being Christ, for the unjust being us, that He might bring us to God, that's reconciliation, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We're blessed because Christ's suffering paid the ultimate price for our sin. Christ's suffering brought us salvation, reconciliation, brought us joy. Friend, I don't know what kind of trials you might be going through. I I don't know what uh, kind of persecution has happened or might be currently happening or that one day you will probably face. But I can say based on the authority of the Word of God that if you are simply willing to trust Christ, uh, that might not make the pain go away, It might not make the persecution go away, but it will be worth it when it's all said and done because Christ said, I will return, and on that day I will vindicate the righteous. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace.